gang is back we all here nobody could miss this episode of champagne soccer because hey we just witnessed what i think was the greatest sporting event i've ever experienced live sporting event i've ever experienced the 2022 world cup is over argentina won 3-3 on penalties 4-2 you already know the coordination has begun I've been talking about this World Cup (laughs) every day since the final on the last day, and I'm glad that Anthony, Claytis, Ephraim, and Marcus, we were able to all unite to talk about this epic match. So what's going on, guys? How y'all feeling? Man, legendary World Cup. I can't even lie to you, man. That that final is one for the books. My my eyes have been blessed to have watched that. You said the exact same thing I've been telling people all week, Dan. This was probably the best, one of the best sporting finals I've seen in my lifetime. One of the best, for sure. Yeah, man. We were exposed to one of the goats and one of the young goats. That's the way I felt about it, because both stepped up when it was time. It was hot. Yeah, and that's a nice word you use, Marcus, exposed, because the France national team was exposed to some illnesses, but we'll get into that a little later. First off, um, whoever wants to set it off, y'all can. Um, When you guys saw the starting 11s, did you guys have any apprehension towards maybe what you guys thought France was trying to do compared to Argentina, shout out to Scaloni for, you know, being smart enough to realize, hey, Di Maria, he's healthy. Let's put him in and sit down Paredes. How did y'all feel about the starting lineups before the match? For Argentina, I'm I'm really glad that he had uh, Di Maria in that lineup because we all know in big games and in final, Di Maria always scores. So I feel like he kind of knew that's what everybody was expecting and like he didn't, you know, try to be, the weird guy and try to go with a different formation. He kind of went with what they kind of are used to, which definitely paid out for them because Di Maria got his goal. And then as it relates to France, they were kind of the team that you would expect to change their lineup because after even coming into the game against um, England, everybody knew that they didn't have a midfield and it was kind of easy to overrun them. But during the England game, they were extremely exposed in midfield. You know, if you have a good midfield and you could chase them down, it's easy to, you know, place past France. So I was expecting Giroud to kind of sit the bench and then for Killian to play up top and then for Marcus to come on and then for him to kind of give that speed on, on the wing. And then maybe Coleman could have came on or started the game. But, yeah, Dembele didn't deserve to start in that game at all. Um, Kunde was, God damn, I'm glad we never bought that guy to Chelsea. But I feel like they're, they were the two that were, like, the most weakest individuals in the French team, and they were the most that were exposed throughout, throughout the whole game, honestly. And then when you look at um, – what's his name? Um, not Theo, but, yeah, Lucas is uh, – um, Theo's part on the, on the left wing. Yeah. Like, he wanted to attack, but he really couldn't attack because Mbappe doesn't track back. So it's like once he went up, he was always exposed on that wing as well. So – Deschamps didn't really do much to accommodate the defense and to help his midfield out. For sure. Now, uh, Anthony, what did you think when you saw that starting 11 from um, France that you saw that this is the same lineup they've played most of the tournament? Were you surprised that they weren't willing to adapt? 
I wasn't surprised. I figured, um, looking from their perspective, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I know that's not how um, the sport of football works all the time. Uh, but with somebody like Mbappe, I figured the manager thought, hey, man, he, he's on drugs. We, we can make it shake. Uh, but on the opposite end, I want to agree with Claytis with Argentina, seeing Di Maria start. I think that was um, uh, a pivotal uh, adjustment that a, a team did make. And uh, it turned out to be in their favor in a sense because he drew that one penalty that some believe is shaky. But that's that's my answer. Yeah. Ephraim, are we done with this experiment and acting like mm-hmm. Sergio Ramos is the new – I mean, uh, Kunde is the new Sergio Ramos? He's Why is he playing right back, man? Cletus, thank you for bringing it up. You too, Dan. But I thought I saw the same thing. He was definitely one of the weakest links, uh, aside from Dembele, um, who really wasn't a factor in any sense in, in, until they got pulled in the, what, 40th minute, 41st minute, um, right before halftime. Couldn't even last a halftime. Uh, and, yeah, if they could have, why not pull him as well? Um, I don't know, man. Sometimes when you play center backs uh, at, at – at the uh, fullback position, yeah, some can do it. Sergio Ramos, like you said, he he did that. He was he was fine with that, especially at the beginning of his career. Um, but not everybody can do that. You can't pull every center back into a fullback position, and and vice versa. You can't pull every fullback into a center back position either. So, yeah, it, it didn't pay dividends in this game. Um, he was definitely one of the worst players on my book. Um, and not to mention, I, I thought that they, how they lined up was kind of like, yeah, like like Anthony said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We'll hit you on the counterattack. Obviously, that didn't work at first, and they had to make some adjustments in the 41st minute. So to Deschamps' credit, he did make some adjustments. Unfortunately, like you said, Dan, you pointed out, he didn't do it early enough. He did it, you know, it, it took him a reaction to have to make a, uh, uh, to make that adjustment. So, um I don't know, man. Sometimes when you experiment, it can go well for a little bit. You know, it got them this far, but then you know when it when the rubber needs to hit the road, that's that's when it shows really, and and it showed in this game that that Kunde should not be playing right back, not at all. I agree. Yeah, Marcus, we might as well get into it. Uh, you ready for me to be problematic? I was gonna ask you. Let's just get into the first goal, and you know. The controversy. Do you think that uh, Dembele fouled? Uh, oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Bro, right. did you see on that joint? Did you see how lackadaisical he was in yeah. the tackle beforehand? It yeah. he, it was kind of like how folks were saying in our chat. They was like, France came into this like they gonna lay down. Like that's the, that. Well, I would say that was the way how the front three played, and that was kind of the reason why he pulled Giroud and Dembele. I mean, I felt like the sickness kind of killed them because I wouldn't have played Rabio. I told y'all that. I wouldn't have played Kunde. Um I would have played Kanate also. Um because your boy from Bayern gave up that last that last situation. And um yeah they they were geek. They were playing without a like they were getting beat to all the second balls until the until the second half until that penalty that was when they turned it on in my opinion. Coleman came in with a flu game. Yeah. <laughs> Ephraim, you agreed that was a penalty? 
yeah, I looked at it again. I mean, it's 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 a tough call. Um, I, I don't know. I I, I kind of see a little different. It, it looked a little soft, if you ask me. And, and look, we all we all watch soccer, and we all know how that goes. These guys, if they get touched, especially in a box in a in a pivotal game like this, they're going to try to go down. You yeah, know, man. at the risk of pulling a yellow card, as we saw later in the game on, with France, uh, that dive uh, and, and got a yellow card for it. Um, so they will do that. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't see it as a penalty necessarily, but, you know, it is what it is. They look, France came back. They made it a game. Um, it took one man, obviously, in a way to do it. But, you know, uh, his teammates let him down in the, in the penalty shootout. We can get to that point in another – we can get there in another minute. But, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm with you, Ephraim. I thought it was soft, but hey, like Young Jock said, it's going down. If if you touch me, I'm laying down. So I get it, but I thought it was a soft penalty. But it is what it is. You're right. R&B penalty. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> yeah. hey, in that situation, who wouldn't fall? So I get it. Absolutely. Anthony, and, and look, how, how quick, you, man, Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say real quick. Look, y'all brought up Di Maria in big games. He's savvy. He's been to big games. He's been in Europe in, in, uh, in you know, Champions League finals. He knows how to play these games. He's been in Copa America. He's been – so he knows what he's doing. He's going to get in that situation. He gets touched. He knows how to go now. Oh, yeah. He's a flopper. He, he's been – he's flopped in his, in his career too. So let's be, you know. Yeah. Who hasn't? I mean, I saw Cristiano flop against Ghana, shameless. But that's another story for another day. Anthony – I know you believe it was a penalty because uh, Dembele was not being smart with his movement. Break that down. Yeah, just like Marcus said, he was lackadaisical. And, hey, man, I I have a recording of me doing the same chop Di Maria did. And if I got something like that, I'm going to agree with Di Maria. He got touched. He fell, man. That joint was just too beautiful. It was He's a designer, man, and it's a big game. He gonna make it. He gonna sell it. Sometimes the greats gotta sell stuff, man. You was you was telling me that, Dan. Yeah, you were part of that. Too. Yeah, you're up on that campaign too. So yeah, you gotta a, you gotta lay down when you can. So I get it. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, it's your yeah. name all. Now the second goal. Why don't y'all break that down and what y'all thought about that counterattack? There seems to be some point of contention in that there was a foul, but I mean, there was a lot of questionable decisions. It is what it is. Nobody's going to be perfect, but how did y'all feel about the execution of that counterattack for uh, Di Maria's goal? Because that joint was smooth. Best team goal of the tournament Uh, started with Messi flicking it to Alvarez, my guy. Hey, I'm here this week. I can actually elaborate. I told y'all, sit Martinez down, put Alvarez in, and you'll win. They're holding up the trophy. Hey, hold on. They should have kept. They should have kept Martinez on the bench. Out of damn shots. Hey, man, he was thinking it up when he came in. But that one shot that was a murder rocket that almost deleted uh, Larice. Knocked him over. It was a rebound goal for Messi. So that was the, the three joint. So, man, hey, man, it worked out. Counted according to the rules, but it will be. Hey, man, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that rocket, that, hey, sometimes you got to Nagasaki somebody. It, it's illegal, but it goes through. Yeah, you know? I hear that. <laughs> Cletus, how did you feel about uh, Di Maria's goal on the counterattack? I mean, that just 
pretty much like emphasize what I was saying about France not having a midfield. Like it was easy to run through them like on counterattack because they didn't really have that destroyer midfield. So having somebody like Messi and Di Maria, of course, they're going to play that space and just, you know, burn through that, make that pass and, you know, beautiful team execution. Same thing with like looking at the first goal with, um, or even the penalty, the first one, like looking at Dembele is like, bro, you do that to defenders week in, week out. How how are you able to get beat, you know, on the wing that easily with the move like that? And then, giving off a, a, a soft penalty like that. It was just, that, that was ridiculous. But the second goal just, that was just easy counterattack against a weak midfield and a weak team. Yeah, shout out to McAllister for the assist. Um, Ephraim, you brought it up, um, and Marcus. As soon as the 41st minute hit, <laughs> Deschamps realized, man, I should sit down. <laughs> Olivier Giroud for Marcus Turam and Usman Dembele for Randall Colomwani. Um, two young guys that have, you know, been substitutes the whole tournament. They've never played in a final, so it was a big risk. Um, how did y'all feel about that sub when y'all saw it? I mean, from, go ahead, Marcus, go ahead. I was about to say, from, from Julian on ESPN, that was supposed to be the starting lineup. They was going to run uh, Killy Killy through the middle and run with that so he didn't have to track back. So I want to know what happened in between time to make him go back to Giroud and Dembele. That would be my question on it. But I, I felt they kind of changed the game, especially uh, the striker, Kuliman. Yeah, Mwani, yeah, he was balling. Bro, bro can um he can press. He he on that Firmino level with it. He he was out there. I mean, some of them were questionable, but shit, he could press. Yeah, you know where he plays at too. He plays in the Bundesliga for Eintracht Frankfurt. This is his first season. He's doing pretty well. Um, before he was at uh, Nance. So yeah, he's a young homie. He's twenty four. He's got a lot of potential. Uh, this year in the Bundesliga, he has five goals and nine assists, I believe. So he's been playing very well, or maybe that's all competitions. But um, Ephraim, do you think those subs um, were the right decision at that moment? I mean, I guess it's easy to say yes, because it worked out. Uh, at the time, I kind of wanted to see Coleman come, on, come in, uh, but I, I know he was kind of, you know, sick or or – hurt he couldn't start the game at least so I would love to see him come in because he obviously made a big difference when he came in in the second half um but you know maybe that's because he needed to maybe because he maybe he couldn't have played that whole that long uh at the time um but yeah it, it worked out I think I think it was a good substitution it changed like it changed how France had to play like Claytus mentioned you know the midfield was you know another weak part of their team unfortunately it seemed like they had a quite a few weak links in this game. Um, and the midfield was definitely one of them. So while it didn't really strengthen the midfield, it did kind of push, I think from, from, from what I saw, it did push into like a four, more like a four, two, three, one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so making Griezmann more of a number 10 versus like a true, true midfielder. So uh, yeah, it worked out. They came back and, and, you know, you know uh, I forgot the guy's name, but he, you know, he got a penalty. He got a, uh, excuse me, yellow card for for diving in the second half, though. But uh, that didn't really do much for him. But they, they, it worked out. It worked out very well. Word. Now, 
as y'all know, after halftime for 70 minutes or the I'll say about 25 minutes after halftime, France were trying to be more assertive, but they still weren't able to get chances off. Um, Mbappe had his first shot at the of the match, I believe, in the 70th minute. Now, in the 80th minute, Mbappe scores a penalty. Um, and then <laughs> a minute later, that smooth one-two, he plays with Marcus Taram and he volleys it and we have a 2-2 match. When the score was tied, first, how did y'all feel about Mbappe scoring those two goals quickly? And at that moment, what did you think about where the match was going? I thought it was France all day long. And I th- I just thought Mbappe just it was I already already said it before, but I think he just shot himself into like, I am the best player in the world because this is what I do. And so um I thought it was gonna be gonna go France's way. Uh unfortunately for them, it it went the you know, they it went the other way. But yeah, man, I, I really thought it was all France all day long after after that one. Nah, me, honestly, I think Killing just went super saiyan right there. Like after scoring the penalty and then scoring that second goal, I feel like he just went Super Saiyan 3. Like, he was, like, really in that mode. He really wanted to win. And I feel like his energy, like, pretty much rubbed off on the team as well when it came to, like, attacking and just being a little bit more aggressive um, towards the end of the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was Francis' match after all that. Um, Mbappe transformed. Uh Claytis's reference to Dragon Ball Z, correct, Super Saiyan. I thought he just went to a different level. He morphed, and when that happens, it's a wrap. And his second goal was real. Um, it was like it was it was fun stuff. It was like outside. It was like playground type stuff. It was like, man, I, I need this goal, and he got it like off the volley. It was it was an amazing thing to watch, and and him doing that in the span in the time span he did it. It's like, yo, what the, what, what am I seeing? What's going on? What, how's this? Just give it to him. It was, it was actually scary. It was like, yeah, this is. <laughs> I hate that it seemed like it was Argentina's match up until then. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> hey, I was watching the match with some of my family members, my uncles, cousins, and it. When the second goal happened, everybody was screaming, and one of my cousins said, "He's Nazario." He said it like that. He's Nazario. <laughs> I was like, what, what? And I was like, oh, you saying he's the new Ronaldo? He was like, he's Nazario. And I was like, Whoa. he will score. He will score. <laughs> and then my uncle was like, no, he is Pele. And I said, whoa, what, uncle? And he was like, yeah. Uh-oh. This is Pele. had to be up against us. Hey, that's what I'm saying. He was leaning. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, he was leaning, but he said, "No, this is Pele." And then I was like, "Maybe he's Ronaldo and Pele." And then we were feeling that we were starting to talk about that. We were excited, but I felt like um they had to win in uh regulation. I felt like they could not go to penalties and win because of the substitutions, which, like y'all said, I think it was right, but. You know, once you go to penalties and you're relying on young homies to shoot penalties instead of, you know, veterans you can trust, like 
Griezmann, Giroud, even Rabio, Tio Hernandez. It was tough, but I felt like they would have why, to win in regulation to why do they put the young homies in like to start it off? Like every country does that. I feel like that's the dumbest thing. You no, put the me. most pre- let let Mbappe pop it off. I mean, like how they did. Let Mbappe pop it off, and then let somebody else older go behind them. I because, mean, they kind of did. Coleman went second. Right. Coleman is twenty six. He, or he's right. not a kid. He's an OG. He scored a game winning goal in the championship. The way he kicked that shit, it was geeks. It. Yeah, he was. Shit. It was geeks. He was. But the dance point too, though, like they took <laughs> off. Right, they took off all the guys that could really hit a goal. Drew was gone. Griezmann was gone. Um, you could even say uh, uh, Dembele. So, I mean, they had really had nobody that you could rely on. You mean you had Eduardo Camavinga shooting the penalty. I mean, yeah. were you going to rely on that one? Yeah. So, like, he just played a full game. I feel like normally in football, you know, what's called a curse is, like, the person who scores in the game or scores a penalty never takes the first pen or anything like that. And if you play the full 90, you don't take the penalty. So, it's like those little things, like, you know, Especially looking at Tuchamendi, he's a young player, and he just played every game in the World Cup, and he just played a final as well. Why would you put that extra pressure on him to to go ahead and score a penalty? Like it was just some of the selection was just off, honestly. Yeah, babe. Before we get to the penalty shootout, we gotta mention extra time, hundredth eighth minute, Messi scores his second goal. Uh, by this time. We see another <laughs> dodgy decision that they said the goal should not have counted because um the referee stopped the match to bring on substitutions. And as you guys know, you cannot have a continuation on the match when there's extra people on the pitch. But regardless, um, how did y'all feel about that <laughs> kamikaze movement? Because that was wild. First, we thought Martinez might be out- offside. It was close, but... That was an exciting goal. I mean, to me, they were offside twice. If you look up in the build-up play, but even with the the um, Argentina players being, you know, on the field, they didn't call that. So people are saying, you know, well, this World Cup, there's been a lot of dodgy calls, and they've been consistent with the dodginess, so it shouldn't change in the final. But my yeah. thing is, you know, this is the final, isn't this where you kind of want to show the best of the sport? So. Again, the play was offsides from the beginning, but the goal was was stood. Cheating, cheating, cheating. Hey, it is what it is. Like you said, this is um the dodgiest World Cup technically because of, you know, they had to manufacture things. Like I was telling uh, Anthony the other day, we see it in all sports where different referees are trying to emphasize offense. And we saw... I've, during the World Cup, during the group stage, there was more nil-nil matches in the 2022 World Cup than there was in the whole 2018 World Cup. And after that report came out, we saw the number of penalties intensify and increase every round and then ended up saying, oh, by the end of the tournament, this is the highest scoring <laughs> tournament in World Cup history. So yeah, you see how you can do that? And hey, we got a three-three final. And Anthony, I know you said um the hundred eighteenth minute, the last penalty France got. You weren't agreeing with that. Why don't you break that down for us? Yeah, see, 
I feel like this whole match was exciting, but it was the uh, epitome of the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial pressing the button for all the excitement. Um, just to have it go to penalties in the end. I like that reference. That, thank you. That last penalty, which they call as a handball, in my opinion, was an accidental handball that in other matches, maybe not in the World Cup, but just in the Premier League, Serie A, fuck it, La Liga, that could be called an accidental handball. Um, but it wasn't. And it was fastly sat down, penalty, we taking it. And when I saw Mbappe going, I was like, man, this is walking. We, we we going to penalties. We we going there. Like he's making this. This is it was crazy. His confidence was amazing. But I did not agree with the penalty. And another reference to uh, I don't know if you guys remember a Croatia match. It may have been against Argentina. Uh Guardio um was called or uh accused of a handball, but he had his arm close to his body, but he purposely leaned into the ball with his hand closed with his arm closed and it wasn't called as a handball to me the iq of a defender to do that shows that he knows the rules and that that it actually was a handball because he wanted to stop the ball with his arm the other guy was accidentally had his arm out and couldn't move it for the penalty and that's all that was against argentina you know they, they cheap <laughs> yeah. Right. I agree. See. With that. Yeah. I I I look at it different. I, I thought it was a penalty by the rules of uh, by the rules. Look, I I'll bring you back to a an unfortunate and and not too exciting uh Europa League game earlier this uh this season with Lissandro Martinez got a handball falling to the ground and it looked as natural as it could be, but he got called for a handball. It was a penalty. The difference in the game one nil. The other team won. Um, I thought it was a legit handball. By the rules of the game, you cannot extend your body, your hands or arms out at all, even if you're jumping. I get it. we got to take our feelings away from that one. But it was legit by by the letter of the law. I've seen less called for handball. That's legit, yeah. I think. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was a handball. Um, Marcus, what did you think? Uh, On the France one with the Argentina guy, it was handball, but I do understand it because that ball was coming straight at his face. I would have did the same damn thing. I'm not about to get hit. I'm not about to get hit with. <laughs> with. Nah, bro. Mbappe put a lot into that. I'm not finna get hit with that. Um, and then that Argentina play. Uh, there go. I I'm gonna be consistent with what I said in our chat. They didn't show any blue lines, bro. They showed. They said, <laughs> they showed they showed us a virtual joint, bro. Hold on, they showed us a virtual demonstration of what happened. Okay, they did not show us the players and the line. They showed us a virtual demonstration. I was confused. <laughs> so it was some fishy shit going on. That's all I say. But they got it. Yeah, it was, and um, there was also I saw a reference that um. There was a foul, I believe, when Moani almost got when Moani drew the set the first penalty, I believe. Some people believe that Otamendi he should have gotten a red card because when you go back and look at it, he was the final man. And as we all know the rules, the last man to block a obvious goal scoring opportunity, red card, but hey, they're not gonna do that. And one of my cousins, he made up a point that um you know, in the past, we saw 
marquee players get red cards in big moments like David Beckham in 1998, excuse me, or how Cristiano baited Wayne Rooney and getting a, a red card in a 06 World Cup. But we don't see that anymore. So, hey, it is what it is. But I, I'm kind of happy it did go to penalties. Um, how did you guys feel about Messi and Mbappe stepping up and being the first players on their countries to take the uh, penalty? I think that is the strategy everyone should do. I mean, ultimate leadership, ultimate confidence. I mean, we and uh, it was Anthony. I think mentioned how his how Mbappe's confidence was. I think uh, we even mentioned in the chat about his poise. I mean, he kept looking at the referee like I'm ready to take this anytime. You, whenever you blow that whistle, I'm ready. I mean, he never looked at the goalie. He always looked at the ref. He was ready. Um, Messi, we already know. I mean, he's his resume speaks for itself. So we already know he's ready for these big moments. So. I think it's great too. I, I love that strategy. Yeah, let them go first. They should, in fact, they should be saying, "I'm going first. So, for sure, um, I agree with you. Um, Mbappe, I forgot to mention he he scored a hat trick in the final before it went to penalties. He became the second man to score a hat trick in World Cup history, and now with four goals, he has the most goals in World Cup Finals history. Um, the first person to score a hat-trick in the World Cup was Jeff Hurst, 1966, against West Germany. And that is also one of the most controversial finals in World Cup history, where a lot of people believe that they cooked it for England to win, and Jeff Hurst's last goal didn't go past the line. So controversy in the World Cup is nothing new. <laughs> but... um. All right, the second penalty, that is when it started to get shaky. And um, Marcus, how did you feel about Emmy Martinez's mind games? I mean, I, I felt like I'm, I'm put respect on both goalkeepers. I did say that Larice should not be out there for penalties. I had, Folks, I had yeah, he's cooked. I've never seen him save anything, bro. But um, I think Martinez, he's perfected that. We've seen it the whole tournament. Uh, what is that? Usually he get in people's face. He do all type of stuff. So, I mean, and again, like how Clay said, those guys, they play – some of those guys took played 90 minutes and then they taking penalties. It's it's not going to be a good deal on them. And then that pressure. So, I think he did a good job. I don't agree with him holding a baby Mbappe at the parade, but, hey. Yeah, he, your like, head. he also asked for a moment of silence for the brother during that celebration. It's some, you know, I think funny guy. He's a funny yeah. Guy. He has to. We know he he shook of that brother. It's like uh, y'all remember next Friday when Pinky was shook like, hey man, that nigga scared me, but I held my own. That's what he was moving like. He was shook. Nah. <laughs> even when you look at the penalty, some of them drinks like he honestly wasn't on the line. So yeah, but you know, like, you know it is what yeah, it is. That, yeah, you <laughs> could definitely argue that, man. If it was like by the book, by the book, there'd be a lot of retakes or a lot of uh, yeah. you know, honestly. So yeah, written, yeah, in, the written in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you know, the game winning penalty was taken by Gonzalo Montiel, a brother known as the German. 
Where are you going with that, Dan? Where are you going with that? Hey, I'm just saying, Cletus, you should like these brothers. They're another version of the German <laughs> national team. No, no, the Fugazi boys. The yeah. and, and they're another version of the Italian national team. Now we know why they can't make the World Cup. All their best players are down in Argentina. Mm, that was like World War II era. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. My bad. That's another yeah, discussion man, for another day. You got to know the my truth. Bad. Do your, do, do your research. Truth, kids. Man. Oh, I already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People do your research. Absolutely. You yeah, look into Argentina. Some shady shit down there. <laughs> well, the World Cup ended 4 2 on penalties. And as we all know, there was a coronation. They gave, um, as the ceremony for the World Cup was going on, they gave uh, Messi best player of the tournament. I felt like it should have been Mbappe, but hey, it's not like it was blasphemous. Messi was impressive. Um, just to break down what he did, um, at 35 years old, we do have to say that because that's very impressive that um, he became the first man to score in the round of 16, quarterfinal, semifinal, and final, um, he became the first player to also win man of the match in every round of the knockout stage. Overall, he had seven goals in the tournament. Five were penalties, but hey, it is what it is. Um, he also had two assists. Oh, sorry, three assists. He was among the top... Uh, leading leaders and assists along with Harry Kane, um, Antoine Griezmann, and I think uh, did Bruno Fernandez get the three? He might have. I think he did, yeah. I think he did. He had two goals and three assists. Finally. Yeah, so, yep. So he won the golden ball. Um, Mbappe won the golden boot, scored eight goals in the World Cup. That was the most since Ronaldo scored eight in 2002. Um, man, that brother was special. Um, I think for me, he has catapulted himself top five all time. Yes, I'm saying it. I feel like Bob Knight in 1984 when Bob, but Bob Knight, he was really, he really saw the future before Michael Jordan was in the NBA. He said, Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. That's what I feel like. I'm like, Hey, Mbappe, you top five all time for me. I've seen just off what you've done. Today's his 24th birthday. What he's done in the past seven years is unprecedented. So he's up there for me. But um, Emmy Martinez won the Golden Glove. Y'all saw his celebration. He <laughs> What he did with the trophy afterwards. Had the sheiks and the homies on the side looking at him funny. Looking um, sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people criticizing the Emir of Qatar for putting on um, that robe. I forgot the proper name. I'm sorry for not uh, looking that up, but I thought that joint was clean. I like the robe. <laughs> it looks fresh. <laughs> they said that is traditionally given to people who are successful after battle. And hey, yeah, Messi completed the battle. He led Argentina to the World Cup, but... Uh, how did y'all feel about that robe, man? Were y'all feeling were y'all feeling like this is as the Western media, mainstream media, a lot of them they're saying sports washing, you know, trying to clean up their image. I mean, you know, this nah, man. Hey, hold on. 
the Guitar Airways uh, Employee of the Month just got his award, man. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I feel like when Messi went in that World Cup in Qatar, it was just, it was only right to put that robe on him to solidify him as, you know, quote unquote, the GOAT of all time. That's what man, that, the GOAT, whatever the GOAT makes sound. <laughs> I mean, look, what was kids. that? <laughs> I was lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it, it's it's his to give, right? At the end of the day, so I, I, who am I to sit there and say he shouldn't do that for him? It's the ultimate shot sign of respect is what it seems like to me as well. So, you know, kudos for Messi receiving it. And, and you know, hey, it's it's the Amir's, you know, it's the Amir's right, I guess, to do something like that if he feels that way. Uh, so yeah, and yeah, it may be. Look, two things can be true. Yes, and maybe it is some kind of sports watching. So what? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, not so what necessarily, but you know what I mean. Like, it it, it happens. Those are the kind of things that happen in 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 sports, right? Sports yeah. are usually met with controversy. So it, that's that goes with American sports as well. So we can we can go down the laundry list of American sports that have had scandals and and uh, you know criminals and and this that and the other as well. So. Look, you know, kudos to Messi for winning it, and uh, much respect for them for him getting that. For sure. Now, uh, did y'all see the celebrations today? Uh, Marcus, you referenced Emmy Martinez with the little Mbappe doll. Did you see that they almost got taken out by those cables? Yeah, but, but I closed them, but I closed on them. But, yeah, but, but I heard they had a shit on the party early, though. <laughs> yeah, fans was jumping on from the uh, from yeah, bridges yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. What happened? Act like you've been there before, please. I mean, <laughs> hey, a lot of them having the last time they won it was nice. It was forty years, right? Yeah, yeah. Six man. Rest in peace, Diego Armando Maradona. The yeah. new, and this is cool for Messi. I I think it's nice that it's hard, like. We know the standard of football is Pele Maradona, but imagine being from the same country as Maradona, being the same size as Maradona, playing basically the same position of you're even left-footed just like Maradona. To try to, you know, live in that shadow is different. Like Cristiano, his the person he was chasing, what, Eusebio? No disrespect, but... We know in the history of football, people don't look at Eusebio like he should be looked at because some people don't respect his era. And then the next Portuguese great, Luis Figo, special player. But Cristiano took that to another level. So it must be really difficult to live in the shadow of Diego Armando Maradona. Even you, you went to Barcelona just like Maradona. It's like you lived your career almost like he did, but of course... You were able to avoid, you know, the things that messed up Maradona's career, his personal life, focus on the game, and, hey, he was finally rewarded. So it is cool that he was able to win the World Cup. Um, And because of that, <laughs> I'll let y'all know. I've said it um, yeah, on Monday on the last day, but I'll say it here too. This World Cup has changed the way I evaluate the greatest players ever. Um. I feel like the World Cup is the pinnacle of the sport. And now my top six all time reflects that because these men have all won a World Cup and played in two finals. And they've won 
other things. They've won league titles. They've won continental competitions, but some of them, they've even won Copa America Euro. But for me, the World Cup, that's the standard of greatness. And my number one, I'll go in, you know, normal order because I said my top six, you know, they all have won a World Cup and played in two finals. So my number one is Pele, number two, Messi, number three, Maradona, number four, Ronaldo, number five, Mbappe. I didn't stutter, guys. Number six, Zinedine Zidane, number seven, Cristiano Ronaldo, number eight, Johan Cruyff, number nine, Alfredo Di Stefano, and number 10, Franz Beckenbauer. And I know a lot of people will feel like I'm trying to slight Cristiano. And hey, I respect it. Like if someone says Cristiano is the greatest player ever, I don't have a problem with that. His resume speaks for himself. Some people can say they feel like the Champions League is the pinnacle of the sport. And he's won five of them as the best player, the all-time goal scorer and assister in that tournament. He has the most goals in the history of football. You know, they some people still feel like Pele has it, but I don't mind. But I think the big knock on him is that he never scored a knockout goal in the World Cup, never made a final. The farthest his team made was uh, the semifinal in 2006, and they lost to France. But that's my top 10. That's how I'm looking at the game right now. Um, how do y'all feel about it? about my new top 10 and I I think it's locked in for now man I because it makes sense to me I look at the top three as the holy trinity Pele Messi Maradona then four or five those are the freaks of nature the Ronaldo and Mbappe zone and then five six five is um what's it called no the yeah, four or five that's the freak of nature zone number six Zidane, you know, he stands alone. He's the definition of the beautiful game. Before the game became all about stats, he was the standard. So that's how I look at the game. And then, you know, even something funny like uh, Cristiano and Johan Cruyff, they both won three Champions Leagues in a row. So I think they belong together. And they were both mercurial talents that sometimes people looked at them like, they think they're bigger than the team, and some people feel like might have affected their national team careers, but eh, that's another story for another day. What what do y'all think about my new top 10? It's a nice little list. My only question I posed to you is, if Messi had lost his final, where do you think he would have ranked in that top 10? If Messi never won a World Cup, I think he's still number three. Be oh. Yeah, that's... all right then. So I ask this one then: What would what would Mbappe be if he would have won his second in a row? If I'm number number three. <laughs> yeah. All right. all right, fair enough. Number three, if because for me the reason why Mbappe jumped to number five is because I would like I wrote an article for World Soccer Talk in the summer about what Mbappe has to do to become the greatest player ever. People in the comments were saying I'm trolling. What's wrong with you? But I, that's how much I believe in his game. That's how much I've seen, like, in the last five years, what he's been able to do, leading, like, even be, before this World Cup, be him and Pele being the only teenagers to score in a final. He's led the French League in goals four times. He's led in assists once. 
He's one of the most uh, best scorers in the Champions League ever already, based on his age. He's I've seen like you know, like y'all know my world class standard. I've seen him boss leagues. I've seen him boss in the Champions League. I've seen him boss in the World Cup, the biggest tournament. And now I've seen him boss in two World Cups playing different roles. Don't forget the Nations League, my friend. Well, I don't, you know, I don't give a damn about it. It's, it's still it's still there. Yeah. Shout out to the FA Cup of Europe of Europe. I don't care about the Nations League. But yeah, he did lead the Nations League in goals before too. So from every level I've seen, he's performed at the highest level. So that's why I put him up there already. Because for me, this is like seeing uh, Ronaldo Nazario in 1998. This is like seeing Pele in 1961. This is what we're seeing. And I'm just ready to crown him right now. I don't have to wait too long. I, I, he's too special, bro. Yeah, my sentiments exactly. I mean, I think y'all know how I feel about him. So, yeah, he's he's definitely above and beyond. I don't even know who's close to him right now as far as the best player in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, like, yeah, not just goal scoring because people would thought, oh, Holland's doing his thing this year. Okay, fine, this year, cool. Yeah, he's doing that. But you're talking about an overall body of work. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say that somebody like Mbappe isn't clearly the best player uh, in the world right now. And that's like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's not even close, if you ask me. Yeah, and another thing about my top 10, maybe I forgot to reference it. I want y'all to uh, join in too, Marcus Anthony, is that the top six, they're all number 10s. And some will say, what does that mean, Dan? Who cares? And I think, as we know, the number 10, it's a number, but it's also a position. It's also a mindset. It's also a way to influence a game, to do everything you can to help your team win. And I think once you embrace that, it, it it's crazy. It's like, that's why for me, the Holy Trinity is Pele, Maradona, Messi. Number four and number five on my all-time list, people will say, Dan, what are you talking about? Ronaldo, we called him R9. And I'll say, yeah, you're right. But you know why? It's because Inter, if you look at when he went to Inter Milan, he wore number 10. He was going through a sick evolution, which unfortunately we didn't get to see because he was dealing with knee injuries. But if you go back and watch Inter Milan number 10, Ronaldo, you'll see he was evolving into an all-around player. And in the 1998 World Cup, he led it in assists. Then, of course, unfortunately, he had knee injuries. He had to change his game again and then four years later he led the world cup in goals but that's what i see when i see mbappe you see he wears number 10 for france his dad a lot of people don't know this but his dad wilfred mbappe he's one of the best youth coaches in france he coached saliba a whole lot of kids that are now professional players and even internationals and one thing he said was that i'm proud my son wears number 10 because he knows the mentality and the mindset you need to take your game to another level. You have to be like that. And we're seeing um, Mbappe encompass that all-around game. Zidane, hey, he's another quintessential number 10. So that's also what my top six represents, the power and the influence of the number 10. Uh, Anthony, I know you feel... Uh, Messi is the GOAT, and I I have no problem with that. But how do you feel about the rest of my top 10? 
I agree with it. Um, I like your new standard about World Cups being the epitome of you know class and and greatness because that's for country man. That's that's nice. Um, the excitement surrounding it all and wanting to fight and play for your country and win is it's the biggest thing. So I agree with you right there. And Mbappe, how high he is on the list, it, for me watching him, uh, how we've we've been talking about how. The last World Cup, 2018, was one that we've watched in my house once I got back uh, out the Navy. Um, you, me, and Ephraim, and that was me really getting into due to the sport. So seeing Bape boss up like that as a teenager, then come back four years later after watching him at PSG ball out for his club, and then come back do something crazy for his country and almost win it again. Yeah, man, he he is him. He's that he's that guy. So. I agree with you there. And the number 10s, hey, man, it's nothing like a player who can not only get the goal for himself, but help his teammates get that goal too, because that's all that matters. So. Marcus. Oh, yeah. Marcus, uh, what do you think, man? Am I am I spaced out? Um, I, I'll, if, if we go on with that standard, that the World Cup, because it seems like now your standard, uh, I will ask it. So the World Cup means more than uh, Champions League now? Yeah, for me, yes. For me, okay. yes, it does. And I I can understand people saying that, hey, that's not fair, Dan. What about the people that are from small countries? I'll say, hey, I'm sorry. Life is a lottery, and sometimes you win it, sometimes you lose it. Sometimes you're able to overcome the expectations because somebody has to be the first right Pele was the first player to lead Brazil to a world cup somebody had to be first Pele was the first player to lead Santos to Copa Libertadores Maradona was the first player to lead Napoli to a Serie A title he was the first player to lead them to continental titles Cruyff was the first player to lead Ajax to a Champions League and Netherlands to uh, World Cup final. Beckenbauer and Gerd Müller, they were the first people to lead Bayern Munich to the Bundesliga and then to help uh, Germany win their first Euros and then they won their second World Cup. So yeah, a lot of times people are like, oh man, it's so hard. But there's a lot of these legends are legends because they were the first to become you know, the faces of their countries and their club. That's one reason why we look at Michael Jordan like that. What the fuck were the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bulls before Michael Jordan? What were the Boston Celtics before Bill Russell? What were the Patriots before Tom Brady? That's what greatness is. What were the Spurs before Tim Duncan? Some players are good enough to become the first people to lead their countries to things. And A, Cristiano did that also. The first player... He led his country to Euro in 2016, even though Eder made the game winning goal. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, I would if those if that's the standard, then I kind of would agree with it. And it is just funny that it's all number tens. I mean, I don't, I don't fully say Mbappe is a ten at club level, but more he is more so um at the country. Um, and he's he and I do I think the main thing in that aspect of how, having Mbappe so high is kind of early in that aspect. Maybe I would move him down one because it's like 
I want to continue to appreciate the greatness instead of already giving it to them in that aspect. Because if, if you set the st standard so high, then that means the next World Cup, France has to win, like in that sense, for, for you, for him to stay, for him to keep his, his spot. Because what what if what if he loses he goes to another final and he loses again does that does it take a hit on your on your on your goat standard right there for him? Not really because in two World Cups he's accomplished what many people like Cristiano Ronaldo couldn't accomplish in five even in Messi Messi it took him twenty six matches to get like thirteen champions or sorry thirteen World Cup goals Mbappe has twelve and fourteen matches. You know who else has 12 and 14 matches? Pele. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I feel you, Marcus, that um, sure he has a lot to accomplish, but I'm saying what he's doing now, he's already with the gods. I'm not like trying to cook the numbers. He's just there already. And you're right. You can say for uh, France, he plays more as a number 10, but don't forget last year for PSG, he led league uh, in goals and assists. He was doing everything. But now this year, Messi, he's more comfortable. So his influence, we're seeing it more in the team. Neymar is backballing. So we're seeing. And now Mbappe, it looks like all he's doing for PSG is focusing on scoring goals. But I think he does want to be an all-around player because that's his complaint with PSG is that he doesn't want to be a number nine. He wants to play off a of number nine and link play and do other things. So that's what I would say about uh, his the way he's playing. And I think this evolution, he's only 24 today. Who knows what he'll be like at the next World Cup when he's 27. So that's going to be fun. But I hope he stays healthy. Uh, Cletus, go ahead, man. I know you had a rant, man. Do your thing, brother. I don't even know where to start from. How many penalties was it? Six penalties in the World Cup. He, he, Not seven. There was six. Yes, there was. He had. He took six penalties. He made five. Messi. Hmm. Hmm. So he missed one. Yeah, the one against Poland. I mean, hey. To me, honestly, the whole game, the referee was Fugazi. Everybody kind of speculated the same thing, even throughout the tournament, that the favoritism was towards Argentina. But I don't want people to think that I'm hating on Messi winning the World Cup. It's just my issue around it is the way the game was officiated and a lot of stuff that happened that, you know, people just kind of like overlook as opposed to be like, oh, no, that's a foul. Oh, no, he's offside. And we'll want the game to go a little bit further instead of, oh, yeah, penalty. Let's give that penalty. All right, bet they scored. Oh, Messi scored. Messi scored. Messi scored. And that's that's been my whole issue with that. I didn't had talks inside of Subway's. For almost 40 minutes, I'd have had talk in the Uber with, with the lady from Morocco. You know, I'd have done it all. I mean, I'm in like four group chats, you know, arguing the same topics with facts. But, you know, it is what it is. They want it. You know, it, it, I'm just interested to see how the Ballon d'Or is going to play out and how life at PSG is going to play out for some individuals. I mean, you already know Messi has his eighth Ballon d'Or. If he got the Ballon d'Or for winning Copa America, you don't think he's going to get the Ballon d'Or for the World Cup? <laughs> and that's what that's the thing, too. I'll be arguing with folks. Like, some people are like, oh, Messi has seven Ballon d'Or. I'm like, well, are we really trying to look at the football facts? Because if that's the case, then, you know, we could take two or three of those Ballon d'Ors from him. But, you know, 
to me, I view it as, you know, Cristiano fans, we, to us, Cristiano will always have our love, always out of the streets. But at the same time, you also look at it like, as great as Messi is as a player, he's always had that, you know, that FIFA support, that UEFA support behind him at all time. And that's kind of always like helped them pass the finish line as well. But, you know. Man, you, hey, I think, I think stars get calls. I mean, Clay, yeah. you can yeah. remember Cristiano. We called the brother Mr. Offside. Look at all the offside goals. Yeah, the, 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 Byron, the Byron joints. You yeah, know? even this year in the World Cup, they gave Cristiano man of the match. He was low against Ghana. This World Cup was poorly officiated, but it was poorly officiated everywhere. There was even decisions like Kevin De Bruyne. One thing I respect about what he said is like, I don't know why they gave me man of the match. I think it was after they beat Canada. You could tell they were just giving things to the stars. They were just trying to sell it to the stars. And stars get calls. And the biggest stars are Cristiano and Messi. Maybe Messi, you can say he got more calls. But, hey, if Cristiano was informed, they would cook for him too. So, I mean, I don't think I can agree with him on his uh, theory is – all the figureheads did say it's just only right if Messi gets the gets this championship. <laughs> and as soon as it go, as soon as he gets it, oh, we got a goat. We got a goat billboard from Adidas. We it's got we got Messi in every like every form the lace, possible. The lace, chip, the lace chips. We got lace chips. Like all this has been planned, bro. Like th- this wasn't overnight. Well, look to be and to be fair to Messi, and look, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with everything you guys are saying, but to be fair to him, also he did announce it before he's this World Cup that this was going to be his last World Cup. So yep. yeah, they got they were preemptive. They, oh, they he reneged on that. He said he playing in Copa America. Yeah, he said, yeah, World Cup, World Cup, World, World Cup. Cup. He's not playing in the World Cup anymore. He's right. This is my last one. He's shooting a documentary, right? right. So I got you on that, Marcus. Saying. But 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 he did that. So yeah, he's sponsored by Adidas. So yeah, Adidas is going to bring up some things. All right, look, let's go to the Super Bowl in, in the United States, right? When when the Super Bowl comes up, they print out championship shirts for both teams. Where do they send the, the losing team shirts to? to? Four countries. You never see them, and you never see them. Um, so the, the, things like that are always going to happen, right? They're going to preempt things. If you're sponsored by somebody, they're going to like look out for you that way. And I get it. Messi's been more of a media darling. I give you that. Um, Cristiano's been a different type of uh, uh, had a different type of career, um, had a different type of attitude and character to him. So yeah, so they're going to be those things that happen as well. Look at like you can look at LeBron James and Kevin Durant in two different ways, right? You can compare those two and how they're viewed through the media. You know, um, um, LeBron James is more of a media darling. Who attacks the media more uh, when they in their press conferences? Kevin Durant. So, I mean, it's always going to be those dichotomies in sports, right? When you have two big stars, usually they're not going to be the same way. Usually they're going to have two totally different attitudes to them. So, so yeah, I, I, look, it may maybe it was rigged. Who knows? But... Hey, look, he he won. He went out like like on top, and so hey, kudos to him at the end of the day. The irony is that Cristiano's the biggest bigger star. We know he's the most followed guy on social media, and a part of that is because he played for 
the biggest teams in three different countries, Manchester United, that commercial power is a part of his legacy. Real Madrid, that commercial power is a part of his legacy. And then even Juventus, he's played for like basically like the Lakers, the glamour team in three different countries. That's a part of his legacy and his star power. That's why I think he is loved by so many people around the world more than Messi. Um, what do you think, uh, Anthony, about this this belief that you know the Ballon d'Or is sold up? Do you think Mbappe or anyone else has a chance to take it from Messi? Uh, if it was Mbappe, I would say biasly Holland if he had a crazy season and beat some goal records across Europe he could challenge Mbappe but since it's messy no it's in the bag <laughs> just give it uh Ephraim you agree I mean if Messi Messi's not having a bad look he's having a really good season at PSG yeah. this year as well he's he got seven seven goals and ten assists so he, he's having a really good season anyway so if he continues on this clip I agree. I think it's hands down, even if it's a symptomatic, symptomatic, sympathetic, excuse me, sympathetic type of vote, he's going to get the Ballon d'Or this year. So, Cletus, you agree? It's sold up. Number eight. Yeah, there's there's no competition out there besides Mbappe, honestly. So, and you you know you know how they do the voting thing. So yeah, it's already secured. <laughs> hey. Hey, he's sleeping with World Cup championships, and he's sleeping with that Ballon d'Or next, man. Relax. <laughs> hey, man, I, I agree with y'all. And maybe around the time the World Cup, uh, the Bunda, uh, Ballon d'Or ceremony, we can uh, do a retroactive episode and look at all the Ballon d'Or winners in the 21st century and go through each one and figure out, did they really deserve it or not? That'll be fun. Cause I think there's a there's a lot of sketchy winners. Oh, of course. Yeah, but hey, before we go, man, the tournament is over. Classic World Cup. Um, champagne goal of the week, man. <laughs> Who wants to set it off? It it may be unanimous, but Kenny, uh, maybe Kenny, not. Kenny, I'm going, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Clay. This already look. We can all probably come off mic and say and on mic and say the same thing. He was score. He was score. That second goal. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was beautiful. Yeah. The build up play started with Coleman taking the ball away. For, I think he took it from Messi of all people. Uh, come back up the field and yeah, that that one two play uh, on the left hand side, man. Gorgeous. Come on, chef's kiss. Absolutely. Well said. I, I agree with you. That's my champagne goal of the week as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with Di Maria um, after that, finishing the team goal, because he even um, slipped it over Lloris uh, to finish it. So that was pretty nice, even though Mbappe's definitely was really good. But I'm going to go Di Maria. Yeah, that goal was cold as well, for sure. Marcus, you you, you with the Kili Kili as well? Yeah, it's already, we already established this, man. I think it's me, Clay, and E. We, he will score. <laughs> uh, and the club all-star. I'm giving it to Cunaguero, brother. That brother is everywhere. <laughs> I I just learned today. I don't know if it's true or not, but I hope it's true because I was wondering why is he there so much. They said he might be on the coaching staff, so 
Yeah, 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 cool. So I like that. Hey, I'm happy for him. He got to see his best friend win, and that that is beautiful, man. Uh, you we all know how his career ended. Kun Aguero, one of the best PL strikers ever. That brother is celebrating. So salute to all the I mean, ballers. Di Maria, I'm passing five bottles your way. Messi, I'm giving you a Sprite. I don't think you drink liquor. Di Maria, let's smoke some cigars, my G. If, if a girl's outside, you know he's probably bringing Salt Bay, or Salt Bay's going to find himself. Hey, <laughs> Salt Bay is in the club with me and Macron. Because oh, I'm tired of them oh, on the oh, field man. taking pictures. Leave <laughs> Killy Killy alone, Macron. Let the man soak alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mbappe's definitely in the club too. Today's his birthday. He's in the club. Yeah, that's mine. He's my he's definitely my in the club all-star for the tournament. Uh I'm with you, Dan. I think you mentioned it earlier. He should have probably been uh man of the tournament, but I we all know we're gonna give it to the winner. So um, but yeah, Kelly and Bobby's my uh, in the club all star. Anthony, who's in the club with you this week, man? Hey, man, uh, the whole Argentina squad, man, and and Messi, Messi's on the stage in the road. Pardon me if it's for not saying it correctly, you know, but Messi's definitely in the club with the with the garment on his back. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Before we go, I gotta ask y'all: Does who are the players that uh, you know went up a few levels in your eyes this tournament? Um, y'all already know. For me, the biggest winner was Mbappe, Messi as well, um, and another one I'll say, Anthony. Kudos, man, Julian Alvarez. A lot of people have put him in their team of the tournament. You already know what I feel like that I want to see you boss in three different levels of competition before I call you world-class, but Julian Alvarez has checked off international for me. So who do y'all think? Who has let, me, let me follow you up because I'm going Argentina as well. I'm going to go with DePaul and I'm going McAllister. Both of those guys had a good tournament. Both of those guys showed their talents. Maybe playing under Messi, maybe that helps, but both of them did their thing. I'm a yeah, Marcus. You took one of mine. I, I was gonna say uh, McAllister because I'm saying he's he's looking like he's trying to secure himself a move away from Brighton in the <laughs> summer uh, with the performance he put in with this uh, tournament. So I, that was mine as well. It, it, it was Alexis McAllister for sure. Yeah, for me, I'm gonna go definitely um, go with somebody young. I'll say Saka. Um, I think honestly, for England the attack, he was the one that really sparked everything. Even though Kane got majority of the assists. I feel like Saka was like that energy that they were really missing in attack. So, yeah, I'll definitely give it to him, best young player. Yeah, you asked Dan. That's my guy. Yeah, you know, that's my brother. I, I didn't even want to say him. I didn't say Kudus either, but he balled this World Cup too. That's Those are my brothers. I'm glad they played well. Uh, Anthony, why don't you take your, your uh you know, your victory tour for Alvarez, man, and who else impressed you? <laughs> Yeah, man, Alvarez uh, for certain. Um, I'm fearful now he'll be uh, leaving City soon, maybe loading up for Barcelona and be a Barca legend by next year now because that his performance. I don't know if he's gonna stay with us. Um, it's real. It was great. Foreign, Ferran Torres, Foreign Torres. What's his name? Torres yeah, he's gonna be like he'll be like Torres, but it's gonna be it's gonna work out for them. Actually, he's actually gonna do do his job. <laughs> 
Um, but also Musiala. I love what I saw from him. Uh, yeah. I feel like Germany, uh, they know that they can build around him, um, even though he didn't take certain chances uh, that could have won them their matches. But he, he was a boss out there, and I feel like going back to Bayern, he's going to excel even more. So uh, I can't wait to watch his game grow. For sure, hey, man. There's so much more we could have talked about this World Cup, but, hey, man, our time is almost up. Um, <laughs> if you guys, I know this episode will come out uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, but just check it out because you know things on the internet don't die. Look up the text thread or the Twitter thread, excuse me, of Nigeria hosting a World Cup. Some of the funniest things you've ever seen, okay? Oh, my God. I'm about to put the link in our chat. It's the Lewandowski uh, joint. Who's yeah. in his phone? <laughs> hey, these are some of the funniest things I've ever seen. They said if Nigeria hosted a World Cup, bro, I'm putting it in our soccer chat so the homies can enjoy. But champagne soccer, club soccer is back. I'm not excited. Claytis is not excited. <laughs> but hey, we'll be back talking about the beautiful game next week. Maybe we'll even have more World Cup stuff to talk about. But, hey, man, Marcus, what you got for us on the way out? Keep them pinkies up, man. <laughs>